I told you that last week and we never got there. (laughs) (laughs) Romans chapter 6 and then page 161 in your book. 161 in your book in Romans chapter 6. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you want to preach, Marley? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, I know. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, Romans in chapter six, and then uh, we'll be there in a minute. And uh, we've been talking. We spent the last last Sunday the whole time. On, on Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 to 24, and we defined all of the adjectives used here to describe um, the works of the flesh. And so we're not going to go back and revisit that because we spent the entire time talking about it. But we're going to go ahead and continue on. On page 161, it says, uh, uh, well, before before we do that, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless this time. Dear Lord, again, thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for your love. And as we look at your word and, and uh, study uh, your word tonight, we ask that you would uh, help us and give us wisdom. Uh, but Lord, we, we need you in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would show yourself strong and that you would help us uh, to grow in our faith and be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, page 161, we're going to pick up just kind of near the top. It says, the devil, uh, Satan, actively and uh, persistently targets the child of God with temptations. So much so that one of his names is even the tempter. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to to be made bread. So Satan is alive and well. Um, It is, I I talked about it this morning. I, I love statistics. I love to read different polls of different companies that do polling and different things. And I read, I read, a, it's been a while ago. Uh, it, it, it's uh, <clears throat> probably five or six years old. Uh, and, and I don't remember the, the, the exact numbers, but I, I want to say if my memory serves me correct, some, somewhere around 40, 45%, something like that of people that attend church on a regular basis do not believe that the devil is real. Now wrap your head around that one. The devil is real. And he is, he is very active in our world today. And <clears throat> for, for, for believers to think that he is a, an imaginary f- thing, uh, is absolutely mind-boggling to me. <clears throat> we live in a world today that has made light of things that are evil. 
And we need to be very, very careful uh, in our dealings with anything in the realm that we're talking about here with the devil. <clears throat> okay, your next, next, uh, ne- next point here. God has given us power to overcome temptation. He has given us power to overcome temptation. And we're going to talk about this in, in a few minutes, in a minute here, but let's go ahead and read, read through these uh, sta- statements here in the book. Uh, thankfully, although, we are often tempted to sin. God, okay, that I read that totally wrong. We, it's not, we're not thankful that we're tempted, okay? <laughs> thankfully, although we are tempted often, God has given us power to overcome temptation. So that's what we need to be thankful for. God has given us the power. When Jesus died for us on the cross, he broke the power that sin has over us, setting us free to respond to his power in us. Now, Romans chapter 6, we finally got there. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We do not have to serve sin. Okay, note here. The phrase, the old man, refers to our old nature that had no power to say no to sin. Temptation itself is not sin. Okay, let me let me talk about this for a minute because <clears throat> this is important. Just because, well, let me let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ever sin? No. no. Was Jesus tempted? At least at least three times, right? That we know of. I, I personally believe because he was one hundred percent human and 100% God, that the human side of Jesus was tempted multiple times because he was human. <clears throat> right, right. So he, we, we know that he was tempted, but then we just said that he, was, he never sinned. Tempt, temptation is not a sin. When does temptation become sin? When we give into it. Okay, now let me stop right there because this is a this is a crucial understanding here. If we are tempted to do something and we refrain from it physically, but we still in our minds participate. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's there's multiple ways. Jesus himself said, uh, if a man look look on a woman to lust after her, then he's committed adultery already in his heart. So just because that person Jesus was talking to did not actually commit adultery, was he guilty of adultery? Absolutely was. He gave in to the temptation in his mind. So there are some things that we can be tempted with 
and that we can follow through with on the inside, but not necessarily on the outside. So we got to be careful there. So <clears throat> temptation itself is not the sin. The sin comes when we participate or we allow our, ourselves to get wrapped up in it. Let's continue reading. When we feel tempted, we have the power to resist the temptation. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There is always a way out. Always a way out. Those of you that, like me, grew up in the 60s and 70s, we know that Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. <laughs> I even had a shirt that said that. <laughs> My mom bought it for me. Um, but you know, the, the reality is this, the devil doesn't make us do anything. Now, the devil may tempt us, but he doesn't make us do anything. Turn over to Matthew. This is not in the book here, but turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read something here that is very um, famous. Matthew chapter 6. Some of you can even quote what I'm about to read. Let's start reading. Okay, before I before I go on any further, does anybody just by looking at the at, at Matthew chapter six, can anybody tell me what's going on here? Okay, it's it, we we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it's when Jesus uh, was addressing his 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 followers, and he and he preaches a sermon that covers every area of life. Everything imaginable. Okay, let's start reading in verse 9. It said, Blessed be the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they. Oh, I'm sorry. Six, I'm on five. Okay, but it's still the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, I, can, I was reading, I'm thinking, wait, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, okay, six, verse nine. Uh, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is this this what we just read is known as what the Lord's Prayer. 
It is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, what does the phrase in verse 13 lead us not into temptation? What does that mean? That in, in 21st century English, we could read that as though Jesus is actually leading us into temptation, is it, right? And, and what he's saying is, lead me not into temptation. That is not what Jesus is saying. What is Jesus saying? Uh, one way we would say it today is, help, help us avoid temptation. Or help me make good choices. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is telling us, when you pray, ask God to help you make right choices. How can God help us make right choices? Come on now. We've talked about it a lot. It starts with an H. The Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit being active in our lives. How else can the how else can God help us make good and right choices? When we read his word. When we read his word. What about our prayer lives? Have you ever spent time in, in, in praying? And asking God to do a work in your heart, and and God convict you and and guide you into into what He wants you to do. Absolutely, He can talk to us through through our prayer lives. How how else can God guide us into making good choices? I I think we heard tonight in our testimony time one way. And that is being being in church. Now, I, I don't know about you, but typically when I'm in church, I don't do a lot of really bad things. Just saying. Kind of keeps me out of trouble. Okay? What 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 about what about the people that are in your life? Can God use people? to help you make good and right choices. Absolutely he can. See, when Jesus here is praying, and so often we misunderstand temptation. And we we get this thing in our mind that if, uh, you know, Hey, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. And we need to understand that there is always a consequence for our choices. God, if we pray and ask God to help us avoid trouble, to help us avoid bad choices. God will help us. 
But there's two things we have to do. Number one, we have to listen. And number two, sometimes we have to do the hard thing and make, make, make hard choices. Now, not always, but oftentimes right choices are not always the easy choice. In fact, more often than not, right choices are often the hard choices. It's up to us to make the choices. Let's go back to our reading here in, in uh, page 162. What is the way of escape that we, we read in First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, the way of escape uh, that, uh, uh, that God uh, has given us? What is it? It's, it's the same thing that we just talked about in Matthew chapter 6. Notice these uh, ways that God gives us uh, to overcome temptation. Now, now we're, get, we're get, getting ready to read a list here of things that God gives us to help us in our decision making. Okay? The very first one, use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. Even Jesus used the word of God when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. When you exercise right temptation, or excuse me, regular temptation, uh, wait, wait a second, I read that wrong. When you <clears throat> exercise regular temptation or sin in a particular area, find several verses perhaps uh, ask somebody to help you out with that, uh, that deal with that area. Then memorize those verses uh, so that you have them in your heart at the time of the temptation. In other words, what the author is saying here is, look, look, say this. If you have, um, I don't know, uh, Something that I'm just trying to think of something. How, how about if you if you have a uh, the, a temptation to use foul language, and 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 you you just comes out. Okay, when I was first saved, man, it was horrible. And one of the things that I learned is that as I learned the Word of God and I learned principles set forth in Scripture, my language started to change. I know that when our children were little, if they told a lie, um, my wife, more, more often than me, um, she, she would make them memorize Bible verses on the tongue. And if... <clears throat> so we need to be aware that it, you know, the, the answers to life are right here. Everything that, that you're going to deal with is right here in this book. And we have access to all the answers to life right here. If we will access them, then God can use them in our lives. So, 
said a lot to the Lord before my mouth keep the door of my lips sealed. So if they were ugly with each other, I would just look at them and say, gotta watch, and they have to repeat it back to me. Okay, I love them. Okay, so when we attempt to do it that way, then the Lord can bring us back. <clears throat> Psalm 119, verse 11, says, uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the principle uh, uh, the author uses here is very, very simple. If we have hidden the word of God in our hearts, when a temptation comes, we will be less apt to yield to that temptation. So if you have a problem with your tongue, you memorize verses on the tongue, and then in certain situations, then God can then use those verses to remind you, hey, wait a minute, before you speak, you need to think about what you're going to say. Uh, and who, who can give me uh, another area, other areas in our lives that we can use Scripture for other than the tongue? That was just the one that popped into my, our, my mind. Okay, anger. I mean, there, the Bible is full of verses on anger and how to, how to keep our anger under control. There's an appendix in the back of the book of verses on specific areas of struggle, too, to help you get Yeah, I don't have it in this one, but in your book, uh, there's an appendix back there of uh, areas in your life that you may struggle in, and it'll give you verses. And if you need more, or it doesn't cover the particular area that you're dealing with, see me. I have all kinds of all kinds of helps that I can help you with that. Um, uh, give me another one. There's a real obvious one out there, and nobody's hit it on it yet. Okay, our thinking, absolutely, because 90% of what we do comes through our our thinking. Some, sometimes we just do things and not, don't really even think about it. But the majority, if we get our thinking right, it'll solve us a lot of problems. What's another one? Obedience. <clears throat> you know, that is one that is just as important for, for parents and adults as it is children. We, we tend to think that obedience is only for, for little people. Um, that the truth is, uh, I know a lot of adults <clears throat> that could could use a dose of obedience themselves. Anybody else? The lust of the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. To what? Oh, worry! Absolutely. Uh, if you're a worry wart, man, there, there are all kind of verses. Uh, learning to trust on the Lord. Uh, putting your faith in the Lord and, and allowing God to work. Uh, all kinds of verses. Oh, yeah, we all do. At least one. <laughs> yes, yes, we all we all have. Yeah, social media is a huge, a huge idol for a lot of people. Um, now, what she said is we, everybody has an idol, but I, I want to take it a little step further. And I would say everybody has their little pet sin. We all, we all have our pet sin 
that we, we like to hide and think it's, it's all mine. I get to play with my sin when I'm all by myself. We all have it. <laughs> we, we forget that God is all-knowing. But we all, we all struggle, and we need to use the Word of God, and we embed the Word of God into our hearts and our lives. And then when we are tempted, God reminds us, hey, what about, and, and we go, okay. What about, what about and, and, and Jim touched on it, the, the lust of the flesh, and then I said the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. What about the lust of the eyes? You think I, you think that the eye gate is a problem for people today? More than ever. Between social media, the internet, uh, and um, television, and streaming services, and all of this stuff, you know, you can, <clears throat> you can do just about anything that the eye wants. And never leave your house. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next next blank here. <clears throat> Remember, you don't have to sin. Let me let me say that again. Remember, you do not have to sin. God's grace gives you the power to say no to sin. Did you raise your hand? Oh, you're flotting, swatting a fly. Okay. <clears throat> I thought, wow, that was a weird question, but anyway, okay. <clears throat> okay, Titus chapter 2, uh, verses 11 and 12. Uh, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, there is an underlying truth in this verse. What is it? Anybody? Okay, should, it's, it's wrapped up in the word should. The underlying truth here is the fact that it's a choice. We choose. We choose to live righteously or, or not. It is a choice that we make. Next blank here. Avoid temptation when possible. Sometimes we need to set ourselves up. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes we set ourselves up for temptations by making it easy to sin. <clears throat> okay? Uh, the Bible calls this making provision for the flesh. Let me, let me tell you something. When I got saved a little over 40 years ago, I, I was an alcoholic when I got saved. Now, I had not met my wife yet, uh, but <clears throat> I was an alcoholic. And we would, we would um, uh, after we started dating, uh, I would not go anywhere at all that had a bar in it. I, I just wouldn't go. If a restaurant had a bar in it, I would not go there. Why? 
And nobody told me I needed to do this. I just, I, I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to go there. If, if there's a bar, I'm not going. Why? I didn't even, wa- I did not even want to have to smell it. Because I knew that if I smelled it, I would want it. Those of you that that know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There you go. Yeah, making <laughs> making fresh cookies when you're on a diet. Okay. Now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say something here. We live in a state where gambling is legal, and, and it is in most states now. And people, I have been criticized by people because I I don't, my wife and I have made a choice that we don't go to casinos to eat. Now the food's good and it's usually pretty reasonable, but I won't go. Why? Exactly. Now if you see me pulling out of the out of one of the casinos here in town, what are you going to think? Oh, he just got a, you know, he just stopped to get something to eat, right? That's exactly what the devil would say in your ear, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think so. You know, and it sounds ridiculous, but when I go to the Black Bear Diner, now the Black Bear Diner has nothing to do with the casino next door. But I will park as far away from the casino as I can so that if anybody sees my vehicle, that hopefully they'll think I'm in the Black Bear Diner. But I won't park along the front. I just won't do it. Yeah, yeah, I should park in the dirt. <laughs> okay? Yeah, exactly. I'll come in the back, you know. But, but you know, why is that? Is You know, I have been criticized. People say, oh, that's crazy, and I would never think that. You know what? I'm here to tell you the devil will make you think it. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I'll say this. One time, because we have coffee on Tuesday mornings, one time I needed change. And instead of bothering Candy, because they were she was really busy that morning, I went into the casino next door and I, I, I put my $20 bill in their little change machine and it spit out change. And I, as I walked out, I thought, you know, I'll never do that again. As innocent as it was, I, I, I thought, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Because I don't want to give, I don't want to give the devil an ounce of room to accuse me of anything. Did you have your hand up? Right. 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 See, and they, these are all personal choices. These are all personal choices. See, these are choices that 
that my wife and I have made choices because of the position that we have. Um, well, well, but still, there are certain choices that we make that that you may think is ridiculous. But you know, that's the one of the great things about the freedom of Christ. Somebody die back there? Yeah, it must be something back there. Okay. Um, but praise God for the Spirit of God. Because it's the Spirit of God that directs us and guides us. And, and, and you know what? I only have to answer for my, for my life. And that is the awesome thing about choices. See, we make choices. Even today, I was talking about when we were dating, I wouldn't go into places. Even today, my wife knows this. I, when we're in the grocery store, I, I, I try my best to avoid the aisle with the alcohol in it. Now, I am like 40-some-odd years removed from my alcoholism, but I still don't even like to look at it. Why? I, I don't want to be tempted. Avoid temptation when possible. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Next blank. Avoid ungodly friends. Boy, I, can't, I cannot overemphasize this. Uh, if there are particular people who lead you into places of temptation. Don't spend time with them. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Neither uh, be partaker of other men's sin. Keep thyself pure. It is, I can't tell you, uh, <clears throat> every time in my life, when I was growing up, when I was, especially when I was a teenager, when I got in trouble, it was almost always because of the guys I was hanging out with. Just saying. And I, I know two guys in particular. I won't say because I'm online, but there's two guys who used to get me in more trouble. I, I still am friends with both of them. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Be careful who, are, who your friends are. Because your friends will do one of two things. Your friends will either either push you to the cross of Christ or pull you away from the cross of Christ. Be careful who your friends are. Uh, your next blank here. And this is a big one. Ask for help. Ask for help. If you are held bondage uh, in habitual sin, Ask a godly, mature Christian um, to pray with you and hold you accountable. In some cases, you may need biblical counsel to understand how God's Word can give you victory over specific sin you are fighting. I, I can't tell you how important this particular one is. I, I have in my life 
people that hold me accountable. And you should too. Every one of us. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that, that ye may be uh, healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now let me ask you a question. I made the statement that we should all have what we would call today accountability partners. Would, would anybody disagree with that? Okay, I didn't, I didn't think so. But what is an, account, an accountability partner? Think about it. What, what is an accountability partner? Okay, all right, say, say that again. You both said it at the same time. Okay, a friend that'll just get in your face and criticize, okay? Okay, somebody who will tell you when you're wrong, okay? Anybody else? Okay, that loves you enough to do those things, okay? Okay. And so then they have the right to speak because you asked them to leave your accountability. Okay. And you've done that for many men. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes? They're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. And I think Candy's on to something here that we often forget. What is, okay, the, the, the phrase accountability partner has two words in it. The majority of what we said so far has to do with the accountability part. What is the word partner? There you go. It goes, it goes both ways. And oftentimes... We think of an accountability partner as an individual who is account, who I am accountable to. But in reality, an accountability partner is a partner. Is it not? And the what what is the idea of partnership? You bear it together. And one of the elements that oftentimes is missing is most accountability friendships that, I am, that I've ever been a part of, and, and I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying this is generally how it is, is it's always one-sided. Pastor, I want you to, uh, to I want to be accountable to you. Right? That's generally how it is. But in reality, how should it be? We should be accountable to each other. Okay, what, in order for that to take place, what has to happen? 
Okay, let me ask you another question. Hopefully, it'll, you all understand where I'm trying to go. Generally, somebody who is struggling with a particular sin will go to a more mature individual and say, I need help in this area. Will you be my accountability partner? And generally what happens is, at least in my case, is I become their accountability person but it's not always reciprocated. Why? Because oftentimes the individual does not mature to the point where they can hold me accountable. See, oftentimes we use accountability partners as scapegoats instead of maturing partners. And in every case that I can think of, my goal is not to hold someone accountable. My goal is to get them mature enough where they can then hold me accountable. Shouldn't it work that way? Because if, if all I'm doing is babysitting someone, am I helping them? Not really. Because the goal is to get someone to the point where they can then in turn help others. And so often we miss that. Let's read James chapter 5 verse 16 again. Casting your... Uh, confess confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. <clears throat> Again, this is a two a two way road here. This is not a one sided thing. That ye may uh, be healed. What is the what is the the goal? Healing, maturing. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The, the goal here is the healing or the maturing of the person who's struggling. Why? So that they can then in turn help someone else who's hurting. Your next point. Keep short accounts with God. Boy, I cannot overemphasize this one. The moment the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, confess it to God. Agreeing with Him that it is sin <clears throat> and ask him to forgive you. First John chapter one and verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keep short accounts. When our kids were little, we used to do our best to teach our kids this principle because it's a whole lot easier to deal with your sin when it's small than if you allow it to mushroom and grow. And, and, and everyone in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Keep short accounts with God. <clears throat> Next point. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Begin each day in prayer 
yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. <clears throat> this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the flesh we talked about last week. If we will yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, it will save us so much heartache. So much heartache. Satan tries to wear us down by reminding us of our past sins and telling us that it is uh, no use to keep fighting. A disciple of Jesus, however, refuses to believe that lie. A disciple keeps fighting sin to live a life pleasing to God. There was a time in my life where I felt like I had committed, I, I had done something really, really bad, really stupid. And I thought, God God will never be able to use me now. And I went into almost a depression. This is about the time we met. I don't know, maybe, I think it was before we met. But I went into a depression and I thought, oh, I'd only been saved for a little while and and Satan was sitting on my shoulder telling me, oh, you you really messed up. You, you God, God can never use you. You might as well just walk away from God right now. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. A disciple will keep fighting. Keep fighting. We probably ought to stop here. Well, we could keep going a little bit. Let's let's go ahead and keep going a little bit. <clears throat> Next blank here. Uh, a disciple uh, lives a sacrificed life. Uh, sanctified, thank you. Sanctified life. I was trying to read too fast. Um, the word sanctified simply means set apart. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it refers to something that is demonstrated, distinguished, or sacred. God instructs us to keep our lives pure of sin and to live in a way that is set apart to God as we live a sanctified life. God can use us in his service. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 19 to 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, what is iniquity? Okay, okay, it's sin. Okay, what what is sin? Okay, now is is that not a a, a vague statement? Avoid sin. So what are we supposed to walk around in a bubble? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. How can we avoid sin in our world today? We're surrounded by it, right? How do we avoid it? Let's continue reading. Verse 20. But in a great house are there are, are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Sanctified. Okay, here we have a picture that Paul gives young Timothy a picture of a house that has vessels. Now, what is the difference between the vessels? Okay, let's go back to verse 20. But in a great house, there are, are, are not only vessels of gold, silver, uh, but also of, of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. So what is the difference between the vessels? Okay, oftentimes we misunderstand this and think, oh, he's saying, okay, there are some, because this is a picture of, of the body of Christ, is it not? And then we, we look at that and we say, oh, okay, the difference is some are gold and silver, stone or wood. No, a vessel is a vessel. He was just talking about the types of vessels. The difference between the vessels is honor and dishonor. The picture of the different types of vessels uh, uh, or dishes, if you would, the gold and so on and the wood and so on and so forth, is just a picture of the, of the, of the, the difference within the church, the body of Christ. Everybody's going to be different. But the, the thing that distinguishes between the vessels is the honor and dishonor. Are you sanctified or are you not sanctified? Are you set apart? One of the rationales, and, th- and this again, this is the, a choice that my wife and I made. One of the rationales between our choosing not to go to casinos is the idea of being sanctified. We are supposed to be different, are we not? As believers, we are supposed to be different. So in our, our thinking... We have chosen not to go there. Why? We just want to, everything in our power, we want to avoid any appearance of evil. Verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. And I, I keep using the casino, but I, I, we, could, we could use this in, in many, many areas of life. I don't want to do anything, anything that's going to bring reproach on the name of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31. 
I, I don't want to do anything in my life. Why? Because I want to be sanctified. I want to be separated. I want to be different. Why is that so important? Because we live in a world of people who are searching for truth. Now, if you live in a world, well, let, let me back up. One of the things that drew me to Christ, and I've shared this before, one of the things that drew me to Christ was my aunt and uncle and my cousins that lived in Phoenix. They don't live in Phoenix anymore. But in our family, both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side, they were the only family that was saved and went to church. When I was a teenager and started searching for something different, I knew, I knew there was more to life than working 40 hours a week for a company that could care less I was even alive. Retiring, paying taxes and dying. I knew there was more to life than that. One of the things I did is I reached out to that family because I knew they were different. Now the rest of the family, and me included, thought they were a little weird, but they were different. Being different and being weird are two different things, but <laughs> we need to make a difference. And if we blend in with society and nobody can tell it, tell that there's a difference between me and the, the guy who lives next door to me, then when they get into a crisis in their life, they won't come to me for help. But if my life is separated and different and people can see a difference in my life, a joy, hopefully. And when life happens, they'll come to you. I remember, and, and I'll, I'll tell the story and then I'll, I'll be done. We, we lived in Charleston, South Carolina when Hurricane Hugo came through uh, and devastated Charleston. We were without power for like two weeks and and all this stuff, and, and so on and so forth. In the midst of all that craziness, my wife was able to leave our, lead our next-door neighbor to Christ because our neighbor saw a difference between their lives and ours. That's what I'm talking about. We need to live life differently. And that's exactly what the author of this book is talking about. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for the work you do in our lives. We ask that you would guide and direct, that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray.